Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Inside Frostmaster Esports. We are changing gears today. We're moving away from the world of sim racing and heading to the world of Apex Legends. Now, our guest today is someone who is well known within the Apex Legends scene. He is someone who has been there since since day one, really. And uh, there is, of course, anyone else apart from Sinaska. He is someone who is a co-founder of Element 6 Esports. And like I say, has a really good understanding of what it takes to be not only a competitive player in Apex Legends, but also as a coach. I'm really excited for this episode, mainly because I'm rubbish at Battle Royale games, so I'm hoping we'll learn a few things. Um, but also it will give you at home some insight into what it takes to potentially get onto the team of an Apex Legends roster, or even if you're wanting to go into coaching yourself. So Sinesca, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah. How are you doing? Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Doing very well. So the question that I like to start with for everybody really who comes on this podcast is tell me a little bit about your background into gaming in particularly with regards to why Apex Legends. It seems like such a challenging game to get involved with, but what was it about Apex that kind of spiked your, your esports career? Uh, well, I'm, I'm someone that people nowadays call Boomer. So <laughs> uh, I, I started with, um, yeah. Counter-Strike 1.5 back then, uh, where people played in, um, they call it here, Internet Cafe, you know, like where 20 people sitting next to each other playing video games. Um, yeah, I play, um, started a lot of games like World of Warcraft, Diablo, etc. And at one point, I stopped playing like completely, full focus yeah. on my um, job back then. I was um, head of operations of a startup company, which like, grew up really quickly and then everything around uh COVID happened and um yeah I basically lost my job um and started playing Apex um yeah that's how I got into Apex amazing and yeah I mean I um talking to Counter-Strike so I picked up Counter-Strike for the first time during COVID and um it was the skill level was oh, insane. The guys that's who late though. It. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. late. Um, but what I'm seeing is even there, there's kind of a similarity in terms of the type of game. You know, there's obviously very objective focused type of gameplay there. Um, is there something in particular about Apex Counter Strike that that you like in particular? Why this kind of game? I suppose. Um, first of all, yeah, Apex is a um, FPS game as well. Um, so yeah. it's. Yeah, I forgot to mention it, by the way, uh, a friend like tried to convince me all the time to play Apex. He said, like, it's so nice, so, like, <laughs> the movement and it's fast, you know, it's like the thing you like, you know, and I was like, okay, but I'm I'm working, you know, and then <laughs> I, I forgot to mention that. And then when COVID happened, I was like, okay, why not give it a try, you know? Mm. And the thing what I like about Apex is just, um, yeah, it's um, fast. It has different, like, characters. You can, like, play it. It's not like Counter-Strike, like Counter-Strike. Sometimes it looks very stale, right? You have always the same maps. Starting points are always the same. And um, when I play Counter-Strike nowadays, um, the uh, everything feels so slow, you know? Like sometimes yeah. you're holding a corner all the time and wait for the enemy to come, you know? And in, in Apex, it's like, yeah, it's fast. It's uh, movement based as well. Mm. No, definitely, definitely. I mean, I know we we spoke about this before we recorded this episode. Um, you know, I, I've played um, PUBG. That's kind of my experience with Battle Royale games. And I think it's an interesting dynamic, particularly from a, a team play perspective, because you are so reliant on your team doing just as well as you can. I know you're talking about how you sometimes carry and, and kind of scrims your, your teammates, which is always great, but it, it's such an important team dynamic. I mean, 
as someone who has entered into the competitive scene as a player, and if anyone looks up your results, they'll see there's a lot of first places on your Wikipedia page, which is cool. Um, mm. How did you go about finding kind of people to play with? Was it just friends growing up or was it seeking out other professionals? How does that kind of work? So as I, as I mentioned earlier, um, keeps uh, my real life friends kept asking me to like play, right? Mm. And um, a lot of people have that issue that like your in real life friends are not on your skill level, right? So you, what I what I did <laughs> at the beginning was basically always playing with them, but over the time I got better and better, and like, and they like it, they couldn't keep up, you know. Like yeah. I'm not the typical like casual player. If I start yeah. something, I always like try to be the best at it. And at one point, I realized they they're holding me back, you know. I was like, guys, I met. Uh, someone else recently i would like to play with them you know and they were like kind of on my skill level and yeah over the time you get to know each other like other players maybe a pro players as well um but i think it's like in every other game where it's really hard to get in touch with these pros right so at the yeah. beginning i was like watching uh, streams and uh, one of my favorite players was shiv shiv fps like he's not a pro player right but uh, I was looking up to him. He was funny and like a really, really skilled player, right? So yeah, you have to build. What also a lot of people don't understand is you have to build your own um, yourself, basically, right? You can't yeah. just start a game. Even if you're good, you can't just sit up uh, pro players and act like, yo, bro, I'm good, you know, uh, <laughs> play with me. So, um, so you look for people that are looking um, for players in, in discords and um yes start playing with them and build up your own like name right you kill them in ranked and then they realize well this guy is always killing me who is that guy you know <laughs> who is that guy that's like that's how you start basically with um ranked and apex and amazing no it's um yeah it's really similar and i think in the racing world you know the people who are winning a lot of the races get picked up by the big teams they do yeah. you know people recognize who they are um Something that you said there, which I found was really interesting, and obviously I know, like you said, with your experience with your startup now with you know the stuff you do in crypto, you're someone who likes to spend a lot of time and attention on projects and really commit to them. When you were picking up Apex and getting up to speed, um, obviously you're a gamer by heart, so you kind of were probably quite quick to adapt, but were you training in a different way or were you playing the game differently to your friends? I know they were obviously more casual, but were you kind of looking at it more from a, how does this, you know, this weapon perform better than this one why is this hero better than this one like how was your approach to getting to speed with with apex so yeah um one good example was like watching streams right like watching better mm -hmm. players or people who are yeah bring out content on youtube right and then i started mm -hmm. watching youtube videos and then there's like a lot of videos where people explain if you play this character you have to um you know focus on that and that and that you know like and mm -hmm. then you start yeah researching um yeah basically watching streams guides uh, I think this is like kind of normal for almost every game, right? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. And then, yeah, obviously I also played way more. And there's something called firing fire range, also, uh, where you basically practice your aim. So I was sitting in the firing range almost seven hours a day. <laughs> wow, that's amazing, yeah. man. That's so cool. Um, And on the topic of firing range, again, I know we were talking about this off air, but um, when I went to watch the Apex Legends playoffs, I was kind of observing how some teams are keyboard and mouse, some are controller. Um, you know, for, from my side, I found that, because I used to play a lot of Halo on console, when I moved over to PC and it was on PC, 
the players who were using keyboard and mouse were just like dominating the lobbies and the people who mm -hmm. were on controller were kind of falling behind. Same problem in Apex or would you say there's a preference as a player in terms of which route to go down? Well, I would say this is one of the most controversial topics in Apex. <laughs> uh, people are be like, you can go on Twitter, say controller is, uh, or like, let's say MNK is stronger than controller and everyone will shit talk under the, in the comments, you know, <laughs> like this is this crazy topic. Um, my, it might be a hot take, but I personally think uh, both inputs have their pros and cons. Um, I think in in a lot of scenarios, MNK is better than controller. Mm -hmm. um, it's always, I personally, like I'm talking about my team, how I built my team is, I want to have like an MNK player as an IGL, that's what we have, and two controller mm -hmm. players who are just fragging out. Um, reason behind that is obviously aim assist. Aim assist um, helps you killing people, right? Yeah. And the advantage for the MNK is um, our IGL has like more freedom in the movement. He can, he's just reacting quicker on stuff, you know? Um, so yeah, basically it helps leading the way, in my opinion. No, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, when I was watching the players who were using MNK, the, the amount of flexibility in terms of, you know, their movements, their, you know, change of weapons, all, even the in-game comms, you know, it was amazing just how much quicker they could react and when i think about you know the the control you have with a mouse versus a joystick it kind of makes sense right that you have that flexibility so yeah yeah com completely understand it's a bit controversial but i guess the the tip is uh if you want to get recognized by sinesca then be sure to play on, on mnk really um but in terms of you know the training as a player um how do you kind of structure or even as a coach really how do you structure your training sessions for your team what would like a typical training session look like for your team uh, it always depends, uh, I think, on our weaknesses. Um, obviously, we are playing a lot of scrims, um, but mm. scrims and ranked are not the only thing that a player should play. Um, I think if you're if you realize you're weak on um, on your aim, then you go in the firing range. There's also a lot of different tools you can use and practice um, your aim. That's what we um, do as well. Uh, but there's also something like the IGL, for example. He has to do a lot of work with the coach together outside of the game. Um, so yep. basically, thinking about um, rotations in the game, right? Well, like um, playable areas. Uh, there's a lot of like out of game practice. For, no, that's for amazing. Our controller players, what we tell them is always just play the game, play the game, <laughs> spam games. You know, practice your aim because that's what we need them to do. Freak out. Oh, amazing. So you you kind of have a different role for each kind of member of the team, yeah. depending on how they play. That's so interesting. That's really cool. So the next topic I want to talk about is obviously the kind of mentality of players. Um, you obviously had KS and Slayer involved in the team for, for two years, um, formed a really great relationship within the Apex scene. And I imagine as, as a coach, you know, it's obviously a dream scenario. You have people who are spending so much time together. As a coach, is that something that you kind of look for in a team is how players work together not only in a competitive level but on a personal level as well i mean it always helps right like if the yeah. players um for example uh, slayers and ks um did a lot out also out of the game played other yeah. games together um it always helps but um i see it a little bit different as well like um it's like work-based right like if you work somewhere you can't be friends with everyone um, you just have to be professional. Um, yeah, if this answers the question. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I think for me, what's really interesting is obviously, I know you had um, Graceful, for example, who's come and go. I guess what I'm saying is in the Apex scene, compared to other you know game types that people maybe don't realize is that in Apex, you know, people move quite a bit and it's quite a dynamic kind yeah. of uh, field for player transfers. I guess as a coach, how are you planning for your upcoming talent? Are you looking to kind of people who are rising through the ranks? Do you look to people in other teams to try and bring them over? What's your kind of approach for finding the next best talent, I suppose? Yeah, um, since since I'm a coach that also plays a lot, um, I I know a lot of players, right? Um, so it's it's easier for me to find new talents. Um, obviously, sometimes it can be people from a different uh, team that we have to poach. You know, uh, sometimes it's just a small like a guy who no one knows, but he's fucking insane at the game. So <laughs> as a coach, you have to have your eyes open. You can't just you yeah. do like be in your own little. Uh, how do you say it in English? Um, like your own bubble, I suppose. Yeah, your own bubble and just keep going. Like, yeah, that's, that's not how it works. Um, what I do always, as well is like, I see people who are actually insane at the game and I'm, I'm like trying them out. I'm looking at them. I'm even playing against them in the firing range, 1v1s, you know. Wow. Um, yeah, this it, it takes a lot of time to find the right player. <laughs> No, definitely. And I guess um, as a coach, then how much of your time is kind of balanced between, let's say, you know, playing, looking for new talent, maybe, you know, looking at rotations, this kind of stuff. Like what does a typical day for, for someone like you look like? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Recently, I'm not playing as much and now a new character came out. And okay. as a coach, you know, if I don't play this character myself, I don't know the in and out, in and outs. Legend. So... Playing yourself is is good, um, but most of my time is, goes into watching the boys uh, play on on stream, and then yeah, that's what I do. Nice, nice. And um, how much of that as well? Do you like watch? Because um, obviously with Apex, right, you've got a lot of teams competing at the same time. Um, are you ever watching back some of their previous matches to see how they play? What their rotations are like like do you do much research on your competitors as well yeah um yeah basically um most of your time goes into watching streams so with that i mean not only watching my team also other teams um you have to understand what they do in order to know what you can do you know um if as an example we're <laughs> um, rotating through a specific area and we need to know um, the timings of other teams. When are they passing? When are, like, do we have people, uh, teams behind us? Can we just chill and, you know, without thinking about um, people ambushing us, basically? Yeah, that's, uh, that's important no, to that's know. A, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think for maybe people who don't follow Battle Royale games is that, you know, you essentially have kind of these circles that you're chasing, right? And these kind yeah. of zones to play into. So, it's not like on a racetrack where someone's either behind you or in front of you. They can literally be in, in 360 degrees, right? And um, I guess even that as a, you know, as a coach, how are you kind of teaching the guys to make sure that they're kind of aware of this stuff? Are you giving them scenarios where they're having to react to certain angles or how do you kind of treat, you know, teach them to be aware of all these kind of ambushes and stuff that could come up? Um, I'm kind of lucky with my IGL. He's like putting <laughs> in a lot of work. Um. He loves watching um, like the rotations, so yeah. he he is like that's a crazy thing about him, by the way. Like he is um, 
even more experienced than me um, in the competitive scene. So the thing is, he's um, visualizing everything in his head, basically. Like you have to uh, imagine like a map and then see in your head, like the, with the timing, where the teams are rotating, right? And then he obviously knows, like, okay, here we can get ambushed. Be careful. Obviously, sometimes things um, happen in a different way than expected. And then it's like about the awareness of every single member in the team. Amazing. No, that's, I think that's really interesting. I think for me, that's one of the key takeaways from this is being able to visualize kind of the map. Although you're playing the map, being able to, like you say, visualize it from, you know, further away what's happening. I think that's so important for people to to realize because it can, like you say, kind of give you preparation for, for every scenario. The, the next cash topic that I kind of want to cover is around Apex. Like I say, obviously you've had the, the privilege of being a very good coach and a very good player. What's your opinion on the current st state of Apex? Is it in a good place? Is it in a not so good place? Um, what, what's your current opinion of it? That's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so since ranked is like the most played game mode, um, it's a little bit sad what like happened to the game uh, recently. Uh, I feel like a lot of things that should have fixed um, don't get fixed uh, fast enough. It it, it takes um, the devs too much uh, time. Just an example, at the moment, there is something called Zone Healer. These are just guys playing a specific character, staying like outside the zone for like ages while all the other teams are fighting, right? And then just staying in the zone and heal forever, they can reach like the second place for free. Just for, like... Yeah. Last season, for example, we had one. He reached rank three worldwide just by, like, he didn't oh even shoot his gun, you know? <laughs> and I think this is something that should, like, it should get fixed instantly. I don't understand why this is a thing, yeah. you know? And, yeah, stuff like this um, happens quite often. Another example is there's the map called Olympus. And on this map, it's possible to go under the map with a glitch, right? And then this guy just stays under the map the whole game until he reaches first or second place. Hmm. This and yeah. I was going to ask so, so on that you know using the the healer glitch for or you know that character as an example. Do you have to then teach your your or coach your team about being aware of this or maybe not using this? But you know, like how do you react as a team to when something like that comes up? Because like you say, if you're waiting some time for the developers to to fix it, but meantime you're having to play competitive matches, what approach do you have to take there to kind of deal with this? Well, the good thing in, in competitive doesn't happen. Like, uh, oh, okay. that's well, that just, that's just strength. Um, yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, cool. And um, the, the next question or the topic that I wanted to cover as well is obviously for people who are up and coming players. Um, there are still people who are maybe, you know, somewhat competitive and looking to take the next step up or people who are, like you say, really competitive, but don't know how to kind of break into the, the, the competitive scene and, and be made kind of aware of, of who they are. Um, what words of wisdom would you kind of offer to to that player who, let's say, who is really good but is struggling to kind of take that next step in their career? <laughs> right. Uh, obviously, like the most common answer is always just play the game, you know, just play the game. <laughs> but um, obviously, there's more, more to it, right? Um, as an upcoming player, it's, for me, it happens a lot that I get like spammed um, in my DMs with people just saying, yo, try me out, you know? But it, it's obviously hard when like, Hundreds of messages always come into my mm. inbox and then I can't try all, all, all of them, you know. Um, mm -hmm. You obviously have to build a name first. And how you can do that is by starting the LFG discords I mentioned earlier. You know, you have to go through. I my, 
I personally went through thousands of people until I found my team back then. You know, <laughs> it took me, yeah, as I said, um, like in one year to uh, find people that I actually like, you know, how do you say it? Have hands, you know, <laughs> they are able <laughs> to play the game. Um, yeah. And if you play with people and realize they're shit, if you think it it makes sense to um, work with them together and um, improve, keep doing that. If you think it's not possible, and drop them and look for the next team, you know, or next player. Like, don't waste your time if you want to reach something competitively. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a, it's so important. Of if if you are someone who is you know spending five, six, seven hours a day practicing, but your teammates are only spending one or two, then you're right. Like naturally, you know, there's going to be that difference, and it's important to um find people who are on on your level i guess um for for someone like yourself as well i mean when we think about your playing career uh, and then we'll come on to coaching after but what was your kind of highlight as a player in in your your playing career uh that you've had so far uh i think the very first tournament i have won back then with my oh, yeah? with my first team yeah the first tournament that we won was like it's called a uh, gll cup and the funny funny story about that is back then our name was different uh, they call it. Uh, we called ourselves 69 IQ. You know, we were like, we nice. didn't even think about the name. You know, and it was yeah. like just a stupid name. And the funny thing is, we won this tournament also with 69 points. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> that's one of my one of my highlights. Amazing. And um, just going back to that tournament, I mean, what was your? I know I appreciate it was maybe a bit of time ago, but what was your kind of mentality going into, you know, a tournament of this nature? Because it's it's completely different, right? You've suddenly got. You know whether it's you know a lot more people watching the broadcast. There's people just generally watching the gameplay. You know how do you? What was your kind of pre- preparation for that? Like, can you talk me to how it was for you? You mean like mental preparation or? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or do you yeah. mean warm up? Uh, we we can dive into both. Let's talk about both. Well, as as far as I can remember, we just like warmed up together as a three men played rank before. Yeah. yeah, it was nothing serious. Um. Yeah, we, we knew we were a strong team. Yeah. Um, there was actually no um, anxiety, no hustle, nothing. Look at that. That's how you know you're a professional. No, <laughs> no nerves. Just get on, get the job done. That's so cool. Exactly. And um, We had nothing to lose, a... you know. Had, <laughs> at the beginning, if you're a no-name, like I was a no-name back then, uh, yeah. you have nothing to lose. Like, why would you be afraid of doing mistakes? Nice. No, I like that. It's a, it's a really good approach. And I guess as a, as a coach then, obviously... Uh, you know, Elman have had some great results over the, the the few you know the years that they've been running. Um, what would be your your kind of highlight there from a from a coaching side? Uh, so many, too many. <laughs> okay, let's let's do it this way. What would be the biggest, not the worst moment, but what's the biggest lesson you had as a coach that that maybe people didn't realize? When, like, for example, when we make it to LAN and then. Uh, if you don't make it to the finals, as a coach, you can't just, how can I say that? Um, you know, sit in the corner and cry. You know, you have a team you need to take care of. Um, as a coach, you're also at the same time the team manager. So you have to be like the rock, you know. Um, yeah. Take care of the boys, basically, or the team, in that, you know. Mm. There's like I, a, I, I guess a tough thing to learn like you can't have any like tears you have to take care of the team you know definitely I, I 
I was wondering, I guess that is probably the most difficult part, right? Is that, um, you know, obviously the players are the ones in the match making the decisions and then kind of winning and losing. But ultimately, a lot of it does come back to, as a coach, how you prepare them, how they prepare with you. I mean, um, I guess, you know, in some ways you carry a lot of the blame when stuff goes wrong and maybe not as much of the, the winnings when it goes right. Would you say that's kind of a fair assessment? In our team, not. Like, I can imagine that for okay. other teams it happens, but... Uh, we are not blame shifting. Um, if if something goes wrong, we fucked up as a team. If we are successful, we win as a, like yeah, we are successful as a team. Nice, I like that. I think that that's obviously super important, isn't it? Because it, yeah, you win and lose together as a team. And I guess for again a player who's up and coming, it's important. I guess from your side that that someone has that mentality when you're kind of uh, reviewing them for for a slot on your team or or whatever it may be, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, me as a coach, obviously, I'm not in the, um, um, how do you call it? Uh, sorry, sometimes I'm missing words. <laughs> in the spotlight. Yeah, sometimes sure. you're not, like, you're obviously not in the spotlight, right? Um, so if they win, you only see their faces, right? And mm. fair enough. I mean, that's okay for me, you know? Um, I don't, I don't have a problem with them, with that. Sorry. Mm. No, that's 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 cool. That's cool. I, I think and you so can... in terms of looking looking towards the future as well. Um obviously you've had some great successes. The team element six is, is doing amazing things. You've you know, uh, been been very active um on socials. People can follow you there and, and kind of see what you're up to. But talk to me a little bit about what the, the future looks like for you, be that as a player, as a coach. What can people expect over the next, say, twelve months, for example? With questions. <laughs> um, yeah, there's something barely anyone knows except the team. So uh, me being the coach was actually not um, planned from the very beginning. Um, I, I see myself uh, in a different role. Um, yeah. But the thing is, we didn't find the right fit for the uh, coach role. So yeah. For the time being, I'm the coach, um, but in the future, we're going to look for uh, someone who can replace me so so I can, uh, yeah, take care of the management roles with an E6. No, that's amazing. The crowds are amazing that you guys draw. You know, the, the, I've never seen anything like it. People chanting players' names, teams' names. It, it must be so difficult to stay focused when you have just all the noise around you as well, right? <laughs> No, that helps. <laughs> that helps. Like whenever I saw the uh, the voice in a bad mood, the only thing I did in the background was like to the fans like this, right? And then they started <laughs> chanting and it was insane. Like the our fans, I don't know, but the, they're the best in Apex. Amazing. No, that that's so cool. It's honestly, it for me, really sent home how much, the, you know, esports professionals are the professionals you know they're treated like kind of celebrities in some ways you know people shouting for them cheering for them and like you say the fans for your team it makes a big difference clearly as well so it, it's really really cool to see um obviously we've covered what your future looks like for the next 12 months or so i'm sure there's maybe some more news to come at a later date but in terms of the team how how is the team looking for the next 12 months as well what can people look forward to uh i think the team is getting stronger and stronger with every change so uh, there's something I can like be really proud of. Uh, obviously, we're sad that sometimes 
people are leaving, people are getting poached. Um, we have to drop people sometimes, you know. But yeah. um, overall, the great thing about E6 is the team is getting stronger and stronger every time. Like not only because uh, like the management is putting a lot of uh, time in the team, but also because we we know nowadays. Also, I'm learning um, yeah. what we need in the team to be successful. Obviously, we did a lot of mistakes. Um, yeah, but and learn from them. So amazing, amazing. Well, obviously, this is the the Inside Frostmaster Esports podcast. So it would be wrong if we didn't talk about them at some point. I have waited until the end, so it's not <laughs> not not forgotten about. Uh, talk to me a little bit about obviously Frostmaster's involvement with E6, um, how that came about, and what it's like having someone like themselves involved. Uh, yeah, Thrustmaster is probably like the first real sponsor and the best thing that could happen happen to E6. Um, like, first of all, the controller I have even here. Like, I don't know. I, <laughs> hashtag <laughs> Ed. Uh, I think it's uh, the best one I've used so far. And mm. the people behind Thrustmaster is just amazing. Uh, last time we had a boot camp um, in... How do you pronounce it again? Ren, Renis, Ren? Yeah, there. yeah. Um, where the headquarters of the uh, Thrustmaster, and the things they did for us is fucking amazing. Like it's crazy. We had a, like a streaming room for all three with like. Oh, I wish I should, could show pictures right now, but it's just amazing. I don't know if you can just put them in, maybe, or people can Google them. But you could also see them in our uh, vlogs and and stuff and Twitter. It's I don't know. Like the the feeling there was insane. Nice. Amazing. Although I guess what we really need for us, Master, be sure you're listening, is we need a keyboard and mouse because as we've heard, that's better than control it. So um in terms I didn't of... say that by the way. I didn't say it's better. I said for okay. specific roles, MK is better. <laughs> um but overall controller is very strong and uh, um everything shifts towards controller. When you have a, a a brand that is involved as a sponsor, um as a team you kind of have to do more stuff whether that's social content or you know oh, yeah. interview yeah, yeah, yeah. or stuff um do you find that helps the players get more comfortable across all aspects of their playing career as well yeah i don't think it affects them uh <laughs> like not negatively not uh, positively so it's just the things we need to do right and um for example ks is very like experienced already so he has no issues um with social media in general. Nice, nice. No, that's cool. That's really cool. I think it's, it's so important that um, when, yeah, like you say, you know, when people are, are doing that, it doesn't take away from their performance and, and hopefully adds to just give them more experience and exposure as well. Um, oh, definitely, as we move towards like, the end of this. Sorry. Sorry to go, yeah. In, in, ter in terms of exposure, obviously, like, um, for example, as I said, um, we were in the Thrustmaster Bootcamp, right? Yeah. Like, stuff we did there all the interviews helped us a lot i guess especially on social media right the fans want to see stuff like that and mm. if if the room looks amazing like the thrustmaster one then it generates more <laughs> more attention <laughs> as well right so yeah it helps a lot definitely definitely if people want to, to follow along obviously element six are on all um good socials twitter facebook instagram sinaska what about yourself where about your personal channels that people can follow as well I mainly use Twitter, so uh, yeah, my my main social media channel is basically yeah, Twitter slash X or whatever called called nowadays. <laughs> awesome, 
Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for the episode today. I really appreciate the time. I think it's been so interesting to learn um, not only as a player, but as a coach, kind of what some of the, the key important things are when it's you trying to make this your professional career. Um, it's been amazing to learn about some of your highlights as well. Some of the, the not so easy parts about being a coach that people maybe don't realize. Um, and obviously a few, you know, piece of advice as well for people looking to just get a bit more competitive. Uh, Sanasco, thank you so much for the time today and um, we'll see you next time. Thank you too.